Well, today is a, it's a new year, January 2nd, new year. It's a new day today. So today we're going to talk a little bit about time. Um, and in years past, Amanda has always usually used this Sunday or Sunday close to this to talk a little about church time. So we, we probably have a little familiarity with it. If, if you're unfamiliar with how we tell time or how church tells time, we have a great little thing out in the Northex that's a, a calendar. There it is, picture of it. Uh, that tells time, tells the seasons of the church and how we go about telling time through the church throughout the year. The church tells time through these liturgical seasons. And the liturgical year does not actually begin on January 1st. It begins on the first Sunday in Advent. So we're already in it a little bit. And right now we are in Christmas time. That's where we're at. And you may be asking, I thought Christmas just happened. We opened the gifts, we did the thing. So actually why we, I asked Don to sing the 12 days of Christmas edited. Thank goodness, because like eight minutes if you don't do it. Thank goodness. Uh, the kids were excited, like, hey, we know this song. So, um, but Christmas begins on Christmas Day. It runs for 12 days leading up to January 6th, which is the Epiphany. So the 12 days of Christmas, I grew up thinking it was lead up to Christmas. It's actually Christmas Day and after. So it was a fitting song for today. So thank you all for doing that. It was fun. And I'm not going to preach about Epiphany today, and I'm not going to preach about Epiphany next week. I'm going to do a little video this week, though, about Epiphany, a little small little video, probably under five minutes. Um, so you'll find that online. Just talk a little bit about Epiphany. Um, but if we think about Epiphany, and like if you've ever had an Epiphany, has anybody ever had an Epiphany? Like if you like a revelation, some hits you like, oh, I got, yeah, I got it, you know, like uh, that's what that is for Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. That's the day. That 12 days is the, is the time that it took the Magi uh, to get to Jesus, lead up to Epiphany, which is the revelation of Jesus. And that's where we're at today. And the liturgical time that we use in church, it helps us to tell the stories of God, helps tell the stories of Jesus. And there are important rituals that we do during these seasons. And if we just think of one we just did on Christmas Eve, turn off the lights, we light the candle, and we sing Silent Night. That is an important ritual, correct? If I killed that ritual, y'all be a little mad, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's important. Rituals are important to us. They are important, and they're meaningful. They help bring out um, these important stories, these important moments of how God was present in history about the story of Jesus, and we need those. And the, and the seasons help us move through that and to retell the important stories that are so meaningful and deep to our faith. And during those seasons, we use something called a lectionary. And we talked about lectionary before. Lectionary is nothing more than just prepared Bible verses of Scripture to help us prepare sermons and prepare worship. That's what we use. Um, now, if I, if I, I, I am 50-50 on lectionary. I, I think lectionary is great during Advent, Great during Lent. Can you be great during Christmas time? Brandon, do you mind going back up to that previous slide I had? Sorry about that. I know I told you to click off. So the green is called ordinary time. That's a great time to do like sermon series, to kind of go off cuff a little bit, do something like that. It's a great time to do that. That's if, if I was preaching all the time, it's about how I would do it. I'd use lectionary during the seasons, and I would use ordinary time for certain sermon stuff. 
today I actually use a little bit of lectionary. Today is lectionary based, but it's amazing how these words and how these verses match up well with where we are at, we are at as a church. So I think there can be a little bit of both. Now I use the lectionary at Vanderbilt University's website. If you ever want to look at lectionary, I go there, just Google Vanderbilt lectionary. And so I'm going to read Ecclesiastes today. That comes from their lectionary for New Year's Day. At the end, I'm going to read John, and that comes from the lectionary for January 2nd. So it helps us to plan. It can be a great way for you all, if you want to just do a little Bible reading for yourself to prepare yourself for the week, follow along with the lectionary. doesn't take long to read. Uh, I read something the other day that said using the lectionary only moves you through about 15% of the Bible. I don't know if that's per year, and there's only three lectionary years, but regardless, you're going to get less than half of the Bible in a lectionary. You're not going to get it all, but it's a great way to begin, and it's a great way to prepare yourself for the week, uh, because we will read the Psalms, we will, we will read Scripture, and it's usually tied to it. So today... We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 13. A lot of y'all will probably be familiar with this if you've been at a funeral, guess we're at a funeral a lot. I also think it's fitting for where we're at today. I'm going to copy Don Allen a little bit today. You're going to see me do a little of this, like Don directing the choir. I'm going to show you a little ebbs and flows in this. Some of these make us feel pretty good. Some don't. Some are positive, some are negative, some are hopeful, some are grief-stricken. Let me show you kind of ebb and flow of this. There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. Time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted. Time for killing, you say killing is probably hey, so positive. A time for killing and a time for healing. Time for tearing down, a time for building up, time for crying, and a time for laughing, time for mourning, time for dancing, time for throwing stones, time for gathering stones, time for embracing, a time for avoiding embraces, a time for searching, and a time for losing, time for keeping, and a time for throwing away, a time for tearing, and a time for repairing. A time for silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. And a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from all their hard work? I have observed the task that God has given human beings. God has made everything fitting in his time, but has also placed eternity in their hearts without enabling them to discover what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do what's good while they live. Moreover, this is a gift of God, that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the work, results of their hard work. And so, yeah, we have some ebbs and flows in that. And one of the things, I don't know if you all noticed, that I kind of noticed when I read it, is it's not always this. It doesn't always go like this, does it? There's sometimes where you get back to back or back to back, correct? That's life, man, is it not? Life ain't predictable. Church isn't predictable. Faith isn't predictable. 
That's how it goes. It's the ebb and flow of life, the flow of church, the ebb and flow in how our lives move within time. Nothing stays as it is. Nothing is always going to be wonderful and always going to be perfect and always going to be peaceful and all around good just forever. It's just not. We wish, it just doesn't. And nor will everything stay down forever or be hard forever or impossible forever unless we allow ourselves and each other when we are at the bottom, when we're down, when we're hurting, if we allow ourselves and others to get crushed by that wave or get overwhelmed by it. I'm going to use the ocean a little bit of an analogy today. You ever swim in the ocean? So doesn't like when I swim in the ocean because I swim too far. There's such sharks out there. There is, but, you know, if I could ever see one, that'd be kind of cool. She says no. I saw a stingray once and I freaked out, so I probably wouldn't really want to see a, see a shark. <laughs> but I like getting out there. And when you're swimming through the, through the waves a little bit, man, you'll get smacked a little bit if you've ever done it. You get a little back-to-back waves sometimes. You suck in the seawater. You start choking, right? What's the rule if you start to, like, get overwhelmed in water? What should you not do? Don't panic. Yes. Whew. That's what I put down on my sermon. Thank you for answering that one correctly. Whew. Yes. Don't panic. But it's, it's, it's easy to panic, right? You get overwhelmed. Your heart beats. You, you can't breathe well. You, you start to freak out. You get tensed up, you know, you, whatever. It's, it's easy to panic. But you really have to find a way to calm yourself and keep it together. And sometimes... You gotta have somebody close by to kind of lift you up a little bit. Like, oh, right, I'm right there. Okay. So you have a kid that gets out there. It happened to Hayden one time when he was much younger. Got to pick on Hayden a little bit. He got the back-to-back wave, but I was right there and kind of picked him up. You gotta do that with kids. You gotta be careful. You gotta watch them, right? <laughs> Dang it! Dang it! stinks but I'm not using her headset so she just passed off the vibe to me that's what she did darn it all I also think of riptides a lot during hardships and people get in trouble on riptides when they try to swim against it. here's a little thing of how to survive a riptide But you start to get pushed out by riptide, and your initial reaction is, let me just swim against it. And the reason why people die in, in, in riptides, they do. They try to swim against it, and you can't beat nature. You can't beat time. And what you have to do is resist a little bit. You have to float. You have to ride it out. You've got to swim with the current. Swim to the side, they say. Go at an angle. Wait till it kicks you out, then you can come in scary though that doesn't mean during hardships and tough times that we don't resist or we don't put up a fight sometimes we do but we got to be careful how much of a fight are we going to put up otherwise we may drown and when we get kicked out now we can escape now who knows where we get kicked out could be way far out keep your eyes on the shore and come back in we may need somebody to come in from the shoreline to help us because we're going to be tired aren't we you're going to be exhausted you're going to be scared you're going to be frightened This all happens during this. 
And for each of us personally, I have to imagine when we've been through tough times and we've been through those down moments in our lives, maybe we're going through it right now. And we've been caught in that riptide. That wave has crashed over our heads. We are weeping and wondering when we will laugh again, as the scripture said. We feel like we have been at war, and my goodness, we just need some peace. Maybe in our faith we have experienced that as well. Maybe we've doubted, we've struggled, we've been frustrated with the church, pastors, it's fair, and other people of faith. We're imperfect humans, aren't we? And we're left exhausted, hurt, scared. We have gone through times where we stopped embracing, and we need to embrace again, as the scripture says. But we don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know who, we don't know if we can trust like that. We've had times when we were silent, or maybe we were silenced. And we want to know when we can speak again. And when we do, will anybody listen? Will anybody even care? And in our church, we've gone through difficult times, haven't we? It's not always sunshine and rainbows around here. We've mourned, have we not? Individually and collectively. And I have to imagine right now, through our exhaustion, we want to know when we can just dance again. Or maybe have a nice potluck. We feel like we have lost a lot. And that is probably true. But now also maybe it's a time for us to seek, as the scripture says. In all facets of our lives, we've gone through the ebbs and flows. Personal, professional, faith. We've all gone through it. And as a church, we're in a new time. We're in a new chapter now. Waiting for a call for a new minister. For some, it can be hard to go through change. Myself, I don't mind change as much. If you want, I can change the bulletin. No, Kelly says no. I'll pick on Kelly a little bit with this. But it can be the littlest changes, the biggest changes. We all will find the thing that we struggle with. Here's where I'll pick on Amanda a little bit. And you can give her this one. You can tell her this one. She knows. We joke about this all the time. When we move the library, I made the suggestion of moving the library to make room for a coffee area. Oh, she did not like that. That was her library. Nope. So it took, it took a little bit. That change, I got her on that one. I got her. Found it. We all have it. I have it. I guarantee you. It's there somewhere. It can be hard. And it can be hard, too, when the change occurs without our permission. The unknown's difficult, even for us that don't mind it. But it doesn't have to just be that. It can also be an exciting time for us. It can also be a time of great uh, exploration for us as a church. Who are we? Where are we going? What are we about? What moves us? What inspires us? Where do we see God working in our church and in our community? What are we being called to do? One of the neat things I see that we're doing with ministry that I really love 
is we're kind of moving away from team ministry. It used to be somebody would have an idea for a ministry and say, had this idea, what team does it fall under? Now we're moving to, to more of a, I had this idea for ministry, can I just do it and get some people to help me with it? I'll use the garden as an example. Emily Caskey was just moved to do the garden, and people have helped out. Lots of you have helped out with that, just when you could. Just collectively helping with the garden. Glenda Stevens with the box out there. But also I see you all putting items in there all the time. We're just doing stuff collectively now, which is really beautiful. Not that team ministry is not important. It is. got to have that. But I also see a little bit of a shift. What's that mean for us long term? What's it mean for us when this Grace Center gets paid off? It ain't far. We're close. What's it mean when we free up $10,000 a month to do ministry in this church? What's that look like for us? What do we do? What are we called to do? That's exciting. We can get excited about that. We can live into some new dreams, some things that maybe we've never done before. And now's a great time to do that, to spend time seeking some of those answers. I also know the new year brings a time for our own personal challenges. I'm not a big um, resolution person. But I also do understand, man, it is kind of nice, though, like January 1 hits. It's like, all right, new year, let's, maybe this is the year, right? This is the year. This is the year where I'm going to drop those COVID pounds. Or maybe I'll just choose to be happy. I don't know. You know, just, just eat the ice cream and the cookies. I don't, you know. Maybe this is the year we just don't worry about COVID pounds. We just don't worry about the extra weight. That always seems to be the biggest thing people want to do. But what if we actually put attention to our mental health with the same capacity and strength and resources that we do to try to get, uh, improve our physical health? People are struggling. I was reminded this past week that to remember when dealing with everybody, every single person is suffering. In some capacity, every single one of you in this room today is probably suffering in some way. You're dealing with something, some hardship, some loss. Something is just out of the ordinary for you. You're burdened with something. And to remember that when moving with each other, when conversing with each other, We need to practice a little extra grace, a little extra mercy with people. Maybe this is the year, though, as far as faith goes. This is the year I pray a little bit more. I read my Bible a little bit. I actually joined with a group to read the Bible every year. I'm already behind. (laughs) Dang it. Two days in. And maybe I work on my faith through my regular daily and weekly faith practices, the disciplines of our faith. Do you have any of those goals? If you do, you're probably going to need some help to accomplish them. Maybe it's the time that we get back into regular worship. Now, this with an asterisk. We have a variant going on. A little more dangerous. We got to keep healthy first. We got to do those things first and foremost. Hopefully, with some, keep the hope up a little bit, but hopefully, hopefully, 
things will get better. But you can't replace regular worship, can you not? I mean, online's great. Like, we started that before COVID. That's great. It's another wonderful avenue. Is it easy to kind of get trapped in that online worship, though? Just to, I'll just stay home today and maybe tomorrow, and then three months later you haven't come to worship. It's fair. It happens. Heck, this happens with working out. I started a home gym in my basement because I thought it would be easier than going to the gym. I did that right before COVID. Genius. I find it hard to walk downstairs to get motivated to work out. So I know that it can be hard. Motivation is hard. But you can't replace it. You can't replace being together and singing the songs and praising together, breaking bread together, laughing together, sharing stories. Just having a conversation with somebody when you see them is so different when you see them face-to-face than just through a text message. And speaking of that motivation, I know it's hard. And I was challenged through a mutual, through on social media this past week about working out. And I said, I just find it hard to be motivated. Man, I'm just tired. I'm mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. Do you all feel that too? I'm just tired. I just don't want to do the next thing. I really don't. I just want to sit on my couch, eat bonbons, and watch some TV, right? Watch my stories. Like, I'm good to go. My mom, my mom used to do that. It's hard. And they said... It's about discipline, Chad, not motivation. If you wait for motivation, it may never come. It's discipline. It's just choosing to do it. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And then it becomes part of who you are. I thought about that a lot. It's hard to be motivated sometimes to come to church. It's hard at times to say yes to serve in some capacity. It's hard at times to carve out time in your day to work on your faith practices, your faith disciplines. But it is important and meaningful for our personal lives, for our faith lives, and for our church. I applaud you all in the ways in which you have shown up these last, I'm just going to call it two years now, because I know it's been hard and difficult. It's been hard to continue the gifts that you give, but only through those gifts are we still here. i got friends whose churches will no longer exist past this year. You have done the hard work these last two years when maybe you didn't have the motivation. And we have some more hard work to do. But we can do it together, much like... Dealing with the waves crashing in the riptides, we may have to swim out and help each other, encourage each other, lift each other up, give each other a hug, a kind word through this, move with some grace and understanding, but it can be done. And we do it because it makes a difference. We do it because it's what Jesus commands of us, and we do it because it's what we do as a church to reflect Jesus in this world. I'm going to read a piece of scripture today. From today's lectionary reading, it's John, John 1, 1 to 18. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light for all people. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children. Born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, This is one of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. That part of in the beginning. Where else did you hear in the beginning? Genesis. What if I told you that's a mistranslation? What if I told you it's not in the beginning, it's in a beginning? In a beginning. In a beginning, Jesus was there. In a beginning, Jesus was with us. With us, In a beginning, as right now, Jesus is present. In a beginning of whatever time period, Jesus was there and present and working in history. Not just in the beginning, but also in a beginning, in a new beginning. Those that we're going through right now and those to come. We can take comfort in that. We can take comfort that Jesus is with us in our beginnings all the way to our endings and then what comes after that. Let us remember that. That Jesus is always with us through all this. Through all the ebbs and flows that we have. Through all the ebbs and flows of our life. And there are no waves that can overcome Jesus. Amen.